0: Hi everyone. Uh, thanks everybody for coming out to one of the, the many, many talks that we have here at reInvent. Um, my name's Adrian Cockcroft. Um, I joined AWS uh, almost two months ago. I'm a VP of Cloud Architecture Strategy. So to just sort of give you a very brief idea what that seems to be about. <laughs> um, I'm still defining it to some extent, but think of it as what I'm trying to do is reach out. To the customers who are pushing the architecture to the limits and are kind of defining what the architecture is going to look like in the future. So that's what kind of architecture strategy sort of piece of it. Um, and, you know, i was at netflix for a long time and netflix Pushed aws and pushed the architecture and taught aws to Do a bunch of things and some of the products you know well Are things that the results of that collaboration and you're Seeing that happen with other customers across the industry And so one of my roles is to find those customers and engage With them. So if you think you're trying to push everything To the limit, um, i'm interested to set up a conversation. So my, my role is to go out and talk to customers. I'm not building an engineering team. I I'm I'm, work for the, you know, outbound part of the organization. And one thing that we've noticed is that a lot of our customers have, are doing open source. And I was part of the creation of the Netflix open source program, which some of you may have heard of. I spent lots of time at reInvent in previous years talking about it. Um, I left Netflix three years ago, but it still goes on. There's a lot happening there. And what I think um, is interesting is that more and more companies Now have open source programs, and it's becoming a way that People engage with, with AWS. So we want to engage with, with Our customers through an open source program. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. But in, t- in order to baseline that, so this is basically this is an area That I'm interested in, that I'm going to be owning for AWS, And we're going to be uh, creating an open source program office to go and engage with People and deal with what, what it, figure out what we need to do in this space to be Better at it. So i'm going to talk about the contributions that AWS has already made to open source, the, the, the support that we've Already put in there, and then start talking about new ways that We can engage going forward. So this presentation is not about A new feature, it's mostly things that we've already done that You maybe don't know about because we haven't been out talking about it in the past. Um, But it's the beginning of a conversation on this topic. So that, I just want to get the positioning right there. So what we're going to be talking about is how some of our leading customers use open source. We're going to talk about what's the value of an open source program, why are people doing this, look at some trends in open source adoption, and then really most of the time we're going to baseline this is what we've already done. These are all the things we haven't had an outbound strategy to tell you all the different things we've been doing in open source over the years. So I'm going to talk about that, just so you know where we're starting from, and then we'll say you know, where are we going to go, what we're going to do beyond that. Okay. So what do customers want? Let's pick. Uh, let's start with Capital One. I've spent quite a bit of time talking to them over the last few years. Uh, they have a big booth in the expo. Um, but here's, here's their, their statement on it. They're an open-source-first organization. They're actively using, contributing to, and managing open-source projects. Um, they're a uh, technology company monetizing in finance, is another statement they've made. Right? So, yeah, you, they're a bank as well, and they issue credit cards and all that stuff. But think of them as, um, from our point of view, they're a really interesting technology company pushing the limits... Figuring out how to run a bank on aws, figuring out what you need to do that, How to train auditors into audit, all of the things they do on the bank. There's a lot going on there. It's very interesting. And they've come up with several projects. Here's some of them. I think the uh, the first one, arc 312, I think that talk has already happened. Maybe some of you were there. So cloud custodian, aws lambda-based uh, Policy engine for managing how their developers interact with the aws system. Right? So that is the kind of project that is, now. i want to engage with This. Right? This is a project that identifies a gap in the, the, the way Customers want to use aws versus the products we have. And so we need to understand those. We need to figure out how To contribute to it and figure out how, how to establish a dialogue Around projects like that. So that, that's a pretty obvious one. And then they have a whole bunch of other projects that are, that are Interesting here. But uh, i wanted to highlight that one in specifically. And then if we look at the netflix open source program, i Want to go back in time to 2012 when i was creating and Running this program, and, and i've got a few slides from like why We originally did it this way. So this is actually from a slide deck that i wrote in 2012 When i was still working at netflix. and. What what we were doing then was that when we first started doing cloud at Netflix, it was bleeding edge innovation. We were inventing things from scratch and we were doing things that hadn't been done before uh, and working on a a much more primitive set of of features from AWS. We had to build a lot of things on top. Um, Then those features started to become parts of standard AWS features and the ideas that we were promoting became part of common patterns. And then In 2013 and 2014, we started going to more of a shared pattern. We started open sourcing all the Netflix OSS projects and creating a community that all were trying to use AWS the same way and made the collective behavior of of the customers that use these into sort of a, a workload that Was interesting to AWS. So this, that was the strategy from Netflix. Once. One of the reasons we did open source was to create a, a Larger group of customers all using, say, autoscalers the same Way so that there was more investment in making that a Scalable and, you know, a more featureful piece of, this, of, of the AWS Product line. So, so that, this, is, this is kind of the reasoning why. And part of this was making it easy to follow. And I've got this nice thing here. Every time that they explored the Wild West by wagon train and they didn't leave tracks behind them, you have to kind of forge a new path every time you do it. And eventually they built a railway line and it went to this place called Los Angeles. And the reason Los Angeles is such a big city is it's the thing at the end of the railway line. (laughs) It's, It's because that's where the trains went and everything built out from that right? The ability to fast follow and, you know, pick fruit in Los Angeles and get it to Chicago before it went bad, right? That was was a big piece of what happened. And if you look at the history of that part of the world, you can see that the ability to create this fast following culture caused a a huge explosion in innovation and, and development in that space. So by creating the Netflix open source program, Netflix enabled a lot of people to come in and build on top of that. So these were the goals we we had at that time. So we wanted to establish solutions as best practices And standards. We wanted to hire, retain, engage top engineers. Build up a technology brand. It's kind of pretty hard to mention cloud without mentioning Netflix at some point. Um, And benefit from the shared ecosystem where other people Are contributing code. And, And there's plenty of examples of this now. And I'm very proud, actually, that a lot of the Netflix open Source things have been picked up by Pivotal and are part of the the, uh, the Spring Cloud platform, and we got you know, James over here who's been very instrumental in making that happen. So there was a lot of good engagement, a lot of places where pretty much anyone using Java now has probably got it's got really easy access to all of these tools. So that's, that's the kind of uh, interesting ecosystems you can build with this. So. I, I also I talked to the Netflix guys about using these slides, and they said, well, let's put in the most, most current slides. So, this is from Andrew Spiker, who runs this program nowadays. Um, and there's a slide deck you can go link to if you want to go see this when you see the slides. So, this is their most recent deck for why do they do it. They're improving engineering. They want to get greater feedback from a wider community and collaborate through open source code. And they're also really, you know, still recruiting new and retaining engineering talent. Because these problems are being worked on in the open. It attracts people that want to work on interesting problems. And some of you maybe were in, the, uh, in his talk, I think it was earlier today, on the, the work they're doing in Titus and containers that, uh, that is actually a really interesting area. And I'll talk a bit more about that shortly. So, what are they doing in 2016? They're getting on for 200 projects on GitHub. Um, Deep integration into spring cloud, the circuit breaker Pattern has been copied to other languages and other systems. I think there was even almost a whole conference about doing This sort of uh, circuit breaker type work. Um, the curator project which is actually the first project that we started out with. has gone all the way up and is now an apache project. It's no longer even a netflix project. It's part of the apache uh, Foundation project suite. And it's used, i think it's got a Hard dependency into hbase. And there are other projects using it. So that's an example of, like, you give up your baby for adoption, and they, they look after it now, and, um, you know, there's some contributions still made. But a piece of code that Netflix built, they don't even have to manage it anymore. There's a community managing it for them. And uh, the engineer that built it left Netflix years ago and is probably still contributing fixes to his code. So you can think of outsourcing your engineering. If you have a good enough idea, you don't even have to maintain it yourself, right? Um, the Titus team, uh, Andrew's team, is now working with uh, the ECS team, around, and that's built around this blocks project that uh, you heard about in the keynote. Um, so there's a lot of interesting work there, and that's one of the areas where I want to focus our efforts, because this is a place where AWS and Netflix are going to collaborate on jointly building open source. And that, that's a new thing for us, and, and, and it's, we're trying to figure out how does that work and where else should we be doing that. And then there's a few startups that netflix OSS has been spun off recently. So why are people doing this? Overall, people are trying to give back to communities that They depend on. They're trying to attract and curate Better developers. They get better code quality. If if you're going to open source something as a bit of personal Pride and you're putting your code in public, it better be Better documented. It's your reputation on the line. For a lot of developers, github is their resume. You, know, if you if you apply for a job at, at one of the major web companies, they'll want to know your GitHub account so they can go read your code. You know, that doesn't work for everybody. If you just come out of one of the security agencies, you, maybe you don't have a GitHub account. But, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's a, an important thing that people do. Um, it helps pool development testing resources. So there's a lot of occasions where, you know, the community will end up making something more reliable by having it be open source. And then the things that we were doing particularly this is One of the big drivers when i was at at netflix was trying to Validate these architectural decisions we were very early We were pioneering in many areas and by trying stuff out in Public we got feedback and we could discover which things Got adopted by lots of people and which things got ignored Because there was a better way of doing it and you can look At it and maybe we switch to that better way of doing it. So. Enabling fast followers and remaining centered in an Ecosystem, you don't want to end up being the only people That do things a certain way, right? You're you basically are working your way into a cul-de-sac and you Have to back out of the dead end, rebase to the mainstream. So by being a pioneer, if you get further in the future, you Get, the more danger there is that you're going to end up in A cul-de-sac and everyone else is going to go a different way. So by continually sharing what you're doing, creating a fast Follower around you, you end up as being part of that mainstream. And then building trust and basis for collaboration. So open source has become the default. As I said, leading customers have their own open source programs. And many AWS products now have an open source component. So I'll talk about those next. But just looking at this, this survey from Black Duck, just the last few bits here, number of number of people, number of companies participating in open source projects it's increased from 50 to 64%, and 88% expect they expect to contribute to projects in the next three years. So that's pretty much a, a strong growth rate, and it's now a majority thing, right? If 88% of people think they're going to be doing this, we need to figure out if, if our customer base is engaging with open source, then we need to engage, too, and we need to find the venues where we're going to be doing that. Okay, so now I'm going to basically... Go through the uh, current status, things that we're, we we're doing already And there's four sections here. First of all, memberships. You know, which uh, foundations are we already members of? Where, where are we already doing things there? Code contributions, places where we've put in patches And, and bug fixes, um, projects that are hosted by AWS and then some of the services that we run that basically take an open source project and make it available for customers to use as a service. So let's go through this. Here's the memberships. Um, we're a Linux Foundation Silver member, a founding a member of the, uh advisory member of the Zen Foundation, core infrastructure, core infrastructure initiative, and a uh, founding member of the Open Container Initiative. All under the linux foundation. The, the to-do group is a group of Companies that are pooling the way that they run their open Source programs. Uh, so this is, you know, companies Like facebook and netflix and, and aws all working together to Say this is how we run our open source programs. Um, there's also a video format alliance for open media and the Open mpi, which is a high performance computing interface. We're a member of that consortium as well. So. We've had relatively little um, bandwidth to support more things, and and the existing uh, team that's been running these has been more inwardly focused. So I'll talk a bit more about this later, but we've had an engineering team working, really an engineering and program management office for several years, which has been mostly focused on the things that AWS consumes in open source, uh, and hasn't been really going out and trying to Uh, Engage with the ecosystems externally. So the contributions. These are the different projects. We've got uh, a whole bunch of Linux drivers, zen, tomcat, Postgres, docker, and and boto. There's a a big big pile of Hadoop Projects, um, things related to the Hadoop ecosystem uh, that the EMR project contributes back to, and various search things, and, and mxnet, which I'll talk a bit more about later. Just to highlight a few of these, uh, in Linux, we've uh, contributed the network driver, the ENA network driver, and then Annapurna, which is a hardware company that AWS bought um, a little while ago. Um, they make an ARM-based single-chip single-chip computer, which we embed into our infrastructure, and the drivers for supporting ARM64 have been contributed back into Linux from from that environment. Um, A few people, we we tend to be hiring people in this space. Um, David Woodhouse joined AWS uh, about two months ago, and uh, he's uh, One of the Linux committee. There's various pieces of the Linux environment that he built, but he's a high-level Contributor to to the uh, Linux project. Uh, And Mitch Garnett, you May know, is the author of BOTO and also the the, uh, AWS CLI, and He's he's, uh, been at uh, AWS for a while. And the projects in the, in the Hadoop ecosystem, there's well over 100 contributions uh, that we've made to those projects, a mixture of features and bug fixes. So that's, all, that's, driven, that's kind of what we've been doing up to now. Moving ahead, we, this is a, a new project that was announced uh, a few weeks ago, um, and we've been talking about it at this event. So there's a number of talks about MXNet. It's an artificial intelligence deep learning library Uh, It's created at CMU, and we're picking this up and putting major investments in it. Um, It's a very powerful, scalable, high-speed system. What was really it was lacking was the the developer experience, documentation, and tooling around it. So that's where we're focusing initial efforts, making it more usable. But we think it's a really good basis for this, and we're going to be supporting academic contributions. So there's a large ecosystem in academia around deep learning. It's it's a really powerful research community. And the way we interface with the research community is usually by giving credits to institutions for uh, free credits for use of AWS to go run things. So if you want to be, you need credits to run your deep deep learning, you know, training system, um, you know, that kind of thing. So if we, look, if we move on then to, this is projects that exist outside AWS where we've made contributions to them. The next category is basically repos that are owned by AWS. And there, there are altogether, if you look at the individual projects under these, under these top-level repos, there are somewhere between 500 and 1,000 projects, right, individual projects. But the, I've listed some of the, the main ones here and the, the places that they live at. So blocks you heard about in the keynote, and I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. Um, but container orchestration, and then we have S2N. There was a there was a talk on that, on uh, which is a clean room reimplementation of the TLS SSL thing. So it replaces Open SSL. Because OpenSSL has kind of all this crufty stuff in it from Years of development and there have been security bugs caused By the fact that it's got all these extra features. So this is a much smaller code base, much more high quality And it's an interesting project. So you can go look at the the Talk that we did on that. We have a a chalice python Microserverless framework. We have the the cli and and the shell. So there's some talks on these things and then there's a whole Bunch of these other projects. Um, Cloud9's a company that was acquired uh, recently by, by AWS, and their ACE uh, editor is an open source component there. Okay, And some of these, this is not just uh, AWS, some of these things are Amazon. Amazon. So the ion data serialization library is actually an Amazon.com project, and there's a few projects in that space. So if we look at blocks, this, this, is, a, this is a different approach. For for AWS, it's a new governance model. It isn't underneath one of the AWS repository top levels; it's got its own top level. It's at blocks at github.com/slash-blocks, and the idea here is that we're putting, we built the initial code, we put it in the open. The development and the roadmap will be all be in public. Right. All the discussions are in public. Any engineering work we do will be in public, and we will be collaborating with other, other companies to do that. So that's a very different way than you know, building something internally and throwing it over the wall occasionally, which is the way a lot of open source projects are run. And I've, I've done a few projects, and I really like these publicly created projects. There was a, a Netflix open source project called Denominator, which was a DNS uh, and it's a, it's a Java library for talking to DNS providers and Managing their APIs. We built that collaboratively with all the DNS providers. The first, we open sourced it when it was just a bunch of Sketches and there was no working code. It was just sort of a, you know, beginnings of an API. We worked with Ultra and Dyn and Route 53 and a few other People to come up with that. So that, that was a really useful experience. And it's something where when you build stuff in public, you've Got all the different guidance and all the different people Coming in. It's a much more powerful model. So this is a venue for us to collaborate with our customers, and as you heard during the keynote, we actually have Netflix as one of the primary places. that they want, They're building you know, their, their orchestration systems, and they want to work with us. So we now have a venue where Netflix can contribute code, we can contribute code, and other people can contribute code and ideas, and together we're going to build something that basically takes ECS to be the thing that Netflix can, can use and take to the next level. So that's the idea. We're, we're, my team is going to work on supporting that collaboration and then looking for other opportunities to have similar kinds of collaborations. So this blocks, it's licensed under Apache 2.0. You can open an issue or pull request against it. You can watch the roadmap, and there's a Gitter channel. And I just took a screenshot of, uh, of the uh, slide deck there. Okay, then there's a bunch of projects uh, products which are an open source thing that you could run yourself and you could handcraft it and manage all the patches yourself, but we'll just do that for you. We're just making it easy to consume. So, EMR, Elastic Hadoop. Um, going back to Netflix, I think in 2008, I, we, you know, me and some people in my team handcrafted some Hadoop clusters from scratch because we went to the first Hadoop Summit and we were tinkering with it. And then the EMR product, product was launched. And we went to them and said, if you change to use these versions of Hadoop and you put Hive support in this version, we'll use it. Uh, And since, I think, probably since about 2010, it's just like you get a Hadoop cluster by making an API call. (laughs) And then I keep seeing people talking about, oh, it's really hard to install Hadoop. It's just an API call. Why is it, what's all this hard to install thing, right? Um, it's a lot of work to keep, Kadeep, keep a Hadoop ecosystem current, uh, and we do that centrally once, and you get to leverage it. I Elastic Cache, RDS, MySQL, and Postgres, and the new uh, Postgres for Aurora backend, and then we have the uh, other new announcement today: the Chef Automate server, so you don't have to worry about managing that yourself. Uh, ECS for Docker and Cloud Search and Elasticsearch. So all these things are useful, and you know you probably use them already. Um, but The neat thing here is that we get, you get updates really quickly. And emr in particular has a much better update cycle than a Lot of the other hadoop vendors. You get your patches Continuously and early. Uh, and this was a, a just a, a recent tweet From um, someone that was pointing out that, you know, seven days After a new version of spark came out, we already had support For it. And that's the kind of thing that Makes your life easier. You don't have to worry about Managing your own patch, patch streams and things like that. Okay. So that's baseline. That's the current state. That's all the things we've been doing over the last few years. Um, and so it's just sort of that, that's been run by, uh, by a team in AWS. So let's just look at, uh, at that and look at what we're going to add to it. So the existing open source program team represents all of Amazon, not just AWS, but there's, it's mostly AWS in terms of the things that, that you'll see coming out of them. They manage the consumption of projects, so that when somebody at Amazon wants to use an open source project, make sure you get all the licenses right and all the support and everything's in place. They manage the engineering contributions, the, the patches that go back into into Hadoop, all of that process for how to do that. Um, they represent AWS at the Linux Foundation. They work with legal and licensing, getting all that stuff. We've been actually converting some of. There's an Amazon license. And we've been actually converting some of those projects To apache license recently. So we're trying to just get Everything to be a bit friendlier in that respect. Um, They exist with these standalone projects, things like blocks. They've done a lot of work to to get that together. Um, They operate the github accounts that i I mentioned with with A large number of repos. And they've really done Everything up to this point. So give this, this team credit for All of these things. They've never gone out and told The story of what they've been doing. So this is kind of my kind of attempt to say this is all the stuff we've been doing uh, up to now. So, what can we add to that? So, I work in uh, you know for Ariel Kalman on the sort of outbound side of the of the uh, AWS organisation, and it's my job to engage with customers. So, we're going to engage with customers. Um, we're going to work with the academic credit program and help support that. Uh, people, one of the one of the reviewers of, of the, uh, the requests that come in there. Uh, We're going to create content like this talk, we're going to Write blog posts, we're going to help promote these different Things. Um, We're potentially going to Represent aws at some additional foundations and meetings. Uh, We're going to turn up at uh, industry conferences that are Around open source that we haven't previously had time to Go and do, present at these events. There's a bunch of. I I was trying to figure out the right words to explain this, but if you look at the, there's a lot of solutions architects and developer evangelists and and people doing training around AWS, and they keep generating these little fragments of code and little tiny projects, and there's an awful lot of them, (laughs) and and some of those projects actually have become useful. They've grown up to be top level things with a lot of contributors, but a lot of it is just. There needs to be a slick process for managing this and getting our arms around it and making it easy for people to make little example code that helps a customer figure out how to use a service. So that's what I mean by managing these example code projects. It's a very outbound thing. It's previously been managed by the program team, but it's not written, the current program team, but it's not really kind of in there. They'd like to give it to us to deal with. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing is we've got metrics on how our projects are being used, but we've not really tried to measure, like, the sentiment and the engagement metrics that we know. How, how are we doing? Are people happy with what we're doing? What else could we do? Those kinds of sort of, you know, th- those sorts of metrics. And this is really starting now, right? This is, we're starting that in, you know, just one of the projects that I've picked up as I joined AWS and I'm investing in building a team. So let's just look at that, that research program briefly. because so this is a, an interesting project been supporting research projects since 2009, and researchers and the academic community are, are a key constituency for us to support. Um, they have a lot of talent and a lot of people, and you know, they, they can go off and build things and explore things for us. We want to find think, people who are building tools, performing pilots, proof of concepts, benchmark tests. This isn't all around open source, but one of the categories in, that you can apply for is, is around open source. And there's a lot of open data and open source kind of thing, components in this. And then there's training and tutorials. If you, I just, if you go to the URL, you can find out exactly who who got, you know, which, you know, which researcher at which institution got, got all of these things. And there are hundreds of these uh, listed. Um, I listed them roughly in the order of, of uh, you know, the most, the most largest number of them. there's a, a few hundred... In this category, development of open source software. So that's already going on. We're going to sort of figure out how to build on that. And the, in particular, the MXNet deep learning engagement is likely to add a lot to that space. Right? So if you're from an academic institution, this already exists. Um, and there are other things that aren't academic, but they're open source projects. And, or, Larger groups, where we want to basically get in there and and figure out how to help. So, on a case-by-case basis, we've actually done a number of additional uh, grants and and uh, and contributions. Uh, in particular, I wanted to highlight the Berkeley AMP Lab. Most of you, some of you might not have heard of it. You've probably heard of Mesos and Spark. <laughs> a lot of you probably running those. Those are just two of the projects that have come out the AMP Lab. And if you go look at the AMP Lab homepage. You know, there's four founding sponsors and, and aws was was one of those founding sponsors of the Amp Lab. Um it's it's an area we put we put a quite a large investment in there and it 's had a had a wonderful outcome so there's also the open MPI consortium, which is a uh, high, high performance computing framework and uh, they have credits. Do so they run lots of tests? That, you know, this is a, it needs to be reliable. There's contributions. You got to run regression tests. So we basically give them credits so that they can run all of their test suites and validation suites on AWS. Uh, and the Postgres project um, was also given some credits to support their testing databases. You want to be really reliable. You want lots of testing. So you want to make it easy and, and contribute. So if you're running an open source project... And it's this kind you know, you need to run lots of tests at scale on lots of different kinds of hardware. That's, that's the kind of place where we, we want to help and contribute. I mean, if it's already a, like a commercial entity supporting that open source project, there's much less need for it. Because there's already somebody with a commercial interest in doing it. So this is primarily for places where there's an interesting project that doesn't have a commercial entity that's currently driving it. Okay. So we're looking. This, like I said, this is the baseline. I haven't uncovered everything that we're doing. This is just a sample of the things that we've been doing. Um, But what I want to do is figure out how can we help, how can we go on from here, and and just bring up. Just finally, I I want to. I I tweeted about this earlier, but uh, I've hired uh, Zahida Borat, who's sitting here in the front, um, and uh, she started on Monday. So, so she's still finding her way around uh, AWS and everything. And her first, you know, first time at, as, as an employee is to be at reInvent. So it's all overwhelming. But um, we've been running around and Talking to people and discovering really every customer we talk To has some kind of open source program, even if it doesn't seem Like they'd be one of the companies that does that. Um, so you know, my background, obviously, I've been, I spent the last three years at a, at a Venture capital company, Battery Ventures. Almost every new company in in the software space has some open source play. It's dominant. So if you're if you're doing startup space, open source ecosystems, um, I mean I have a lot of experience in that and I can help in that area. If you're if you're in, you know if you're trying to do something like Netflix OSS, a large scale platform, again I have experience in that. Zahida, who's um, going to be heading up this team uh, and, and running, the, uh, the, the basically, the outbound program office for me. Um, most recent job she had was working for the UK government, the cabinet office there, on an the open document format, um, where they were basically trying to get the, the government to have all of its published documents be in open formats rather than proprietary formats. And there was a, a major sort of standard battle there. She ran the Salesforce open source uh, program before that. Um, And then was part of the Google program office for many years where one of the things that came out of that was the Google Summer of Code. So if any of you ever were involved in that over the years, um, you know, she's created that and, and it's been, it's been a very successful program for Google. And before that, we both have actually <laughs> I was at Sun Microsystems back in the day uh, And she was as well And, and OpenOffice and NetBeans were the projects she's worked on So there's quite a wide variety, I think, between us We we understand a lot about different programs And one of the things we want to do Is learn the best practices in a, a, Across the customer base For how they run their open source programs And some of them are running inner source programs And there's a whole bunch of ways in which uh, organizations are engaging with open source. So we want to talk to all of you, help, help you do that, and share best practices across to encourage people to, to engage and build bigger ecosystems around that. And then build this all out and, and figure out... The other part of this is just to engage with the communities around open source. So these are the first steps. As I say, we're, this, is, this isn't a, hey, we've done all these things. Maybe in a year's time I'll come back and we'll say, well, we actually did some stuff. But uh, I just wanted to get the baseline out there and say we're here. And, and really, this is first steps. And, and we're listening. And we're ready to kind of start a bunch of conversations. And we've, I've been in the Executive Briefing Center for the last two days having some of those conversations. So that's all I've got. Thank you. Thank um, you. There's evaluations. And here are the sessions that I mentioned. Um, and uh, you can sort of, all, all the sessions I could find that were something to do with open source, I, I put them in the list here. So we'll, we'll wrap up the the, uh, the talk now. We've got a bit more time. So Zahidu and I will, will hang around the front. And if you want to go and run off to the, Early, uh, get into the bathrooms early, <laughs> go do that. But if you want to talk about open source programs, come find Us. Um, here through tomorrow lunchtime if you, if you can't Find us today and you're still around on friday. So i'm happy to uh, engage and we're easy to find. If you're an aws customer, the best thing to do is contact your aws, You know, support people, your, your sales and your solutions architect, And they'll figure out how to find us and engage with us. That's, that's the best channel for doing it. Okay? Thanks very much.